Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Andrew Womack. Hello and welcome to our Wednesday's Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I'm Andrew Womack. I'm your host today. And today, I'm, it's just me. I don't have a guest today. And uh, I did that on purpose, really. And there's just some things that I want to share with you from God's Word. We often talk about current events and politics as well as the Word. Uh, but today, I've just got some things that I really wanted to share with you. And it's just going to be me. So... Uh, you can call in. Matter of fact, I would like to encourage you to call in. Uh, I'd hate to have no calls just because I don't have any guests. That wouldn't be good for my ego. Amen. <laughs> but, you know, I'm going to be talking about that. And really, I'm uh, just jesting in that. I know that God loves me, and that's the only one that I'm really dependent upon His opinion. But I'm going to spend about 20, 30 minutes. Uh, we might even go a little bit earlier to the break, depending on. Uh, what I wind up sharing, uh, but then we will be taking your calls, and the calls can be on anything. It can be current events, it can be a politics, or it can be biblical, things like that. My forte is, uh, you know, ministering from the Word of God. And so you can call in, and we'll actually put your call on the air. The number is 719-619-2341, and uh, we will be taking calls. So this goes from 330 uh, our time until 5 p.m. Mountain Time, and uh, we will be taking calls at least for an hour of that time. Right before I get into this, let me just mention that we have our Healing is Here conference that is coming up on August the 8th through the 12th, and this is our largest conference of the year. We've had as many as 3,000 people come to our auditorium for this, and we have seen I remember one year we had well over a thousand people that stood and said that they had already manifested a healing. Now we prayed for others and you know there is a principle in the Word of God that Jesus uh, spoke to the uh, ten lepers and as they went they were cleansed. And there's also an example in the eighth chapter of the book of Mark where Jesus laid hands on a person and they only received a partial healing. And so he laid hands on them a second time and then they saw every man clearly. So there is a principle in the Word of God that sometimes you just lay hands on the sick and they recover. It doesn't mean that they get a miracle, but they just, whatever the problem is, the body recovers. Uh, so I know that there was others that we prayed for that manifested a healing, but we had a thousand that manifested a healing during that conference in just two or three days' time. And so um, I'd really encourage you to come and be a part of this. And some of you may think, well, I'm not sick. I don't need this. Well, if you, uh, if you know anybody, you know somebody who is sick, and it would be great for you to learn these things so that you could be God's instrument to go minister to them. And also, if you aren't sick right now, uh, I guarantee we live in a fallen world and something is going to come against you sooner or later. And the time to really get established in healing isn't when the battle is raging. It's like the parable that Jesus gave. You don't build your house in the midst of a storm. 
the best time to build your house, to build your foundation and get hold of what the Word of God has to say about healing is before you're sick. So anyway, I just encourage you to come and be a part of this. This year we're going to have as our special guest, Benny Hinn. And of course, he has seen thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people healed. And he operates differently than I do. I'm a teacher and what I do is teach people how to believe and how to receive directly from God. But Benny Hinn operates under a supernatural anointing, a gift of miracles and the gifts of healing. And he sees people happen instantly. There's a difference between a miracle and a healing. I'm not going to teach on that right now. But anyway, there are people that maybe have been listening to me and you're believing and doing everything you know and you still haven't seen results it would be a great time for you to come and take advantage of somebody who has a supernatural gift of healing in their life. And again, this is going to be August the 8th through the 12th at our facilities here in Woodland Park, Colorado. And I tell you, you would be blessed. Let me real quickly just mention, go to our website, AW, or excuse me, well, that's my personal website, awmi.net, but the truthandliberty.net is our Truth and Liberty website. And we have so many materials there. We have a daily news feed that we take things from all of these different sources and put them right there, which is a great way for you to peruse all of the uh, different topics and headlines without having to go through so many different places. We do that for you. There's so many resources there. And we also uh, link to many, many other ministries. And uh, it's just a great resource. So I encourage you to take advantage of that. You know, today I had a Zoom call with Marjorie Dannenfelser. I don't know if you know who that is, but she's the head of the Susan B. Anthony uh, Foundation. And uh, they are probably one of the premier pro-life organizations in this nation. And even though Roe versus Wade has now been overturned, uh, the battle is raging now on a state level instead of just through the Supreme Court. And there are even some people that are trying to get it into, into federal law that abortion is a constitutional right. And so uh, anyway, the battle is still going. And I was really blessed uh, to talk to Marjorie and she is really blessed by what we're doing. We're gonna try and cooperate more and get more things done. Uh, she has these um, gala, galas that she puts on and she's had President Trump come speak at him. I mean, it's very high profile. She was talking about just visiting with, uh, you know, all of the leadership of the Senate and of the um, House of Representatives and she's well connected and praise God. It's just such a blessing to see the body of Christ coming together and taking a stand on these things. So good things are happening. Amen. I want to share with you some things about humility and I could hear television sets clicking off all around the world. Most people think humility, uh, they don't want to look at this. They look at humility as a downer, but actually humility is a great way to live. It puts you in a position to be able to receive from God. And there is a lot of misunderstanding about what humility is. Many people think that humility is weakness. It's uh, thinking bad of yourself, having low self-esteem. Did you know that low self-esteem can actually be pride? Yeah, well, I know that that really confuses some people, but it's because I believe that the root of pride is just self-centeredness. You know, if you take the word pride, P-R-I-D-E-I, -E 
is the center of pride. The letter I is the center of sin. Self-focus is what pride is really all about. And there are some people that focus on self and think that they are better than everybody else and look down their nose. We recognize that. That's arrogance. But did you know a person who has low self-esteem is actually a very prideful person if you define pride as self-centeredness. You are focused on yourself. You're constantly afraid that you're going to say or do something wrong. And because of it, you just won't venture out. You won't take any risk because you're so focused on yourself. You're so fearful of self making a mistake or doing something. Did you know that when you have pride, when it is self-centeredness, it's really insecurity is what it is. And the antidote for pride is a personal relationship with God. I know that most people can't link. They can't connect those dots. They think, well, what is pride? Or, you know, whether it's uh, arrogance or uh, inferiority, uh, you're still self-centered. What does that have to do with relationship with God? If you ever really connect with the Lord, and if you ever really developed a close, intimate relationship with God, His acceptance, His love for you makes you so secure. I mean, once you understand that the God of the universe loves you, you know, there's a passage in Psalms that says, I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks on me. If you ever get a revelation that here's God Almighty that is just there anytime you want to talk to Him, Anytime you have a need, He is just focused on you. Of course, He's focused on everybody else. We can't totally understand that, but I can accept it based on what the Word says. And when you understand how much God loves you, and man, we could spend weeks talking about that, but when you understand the love of God and you just receive it, it makes you so secure that this inferiority, just leaves because, you know, who is a person to reject you? God Almighty loves you. And it also removes from you this arrogance, thinking that you are somebody. You recognize that the only thing that gives worth and value to your life is the fact that God placed that value on you. Let me read you these scriptures out of 1 Peter chapter 5. And it says in verse 5, it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. You know, there's a lot in these passages of Scripture. I'm not going to be able to say all of these things. But humility is an automatic byproduct of really close, intimate, personal relationship with God. If you ever get close to God to where you see who He is, and then you recognize that this almighty, all-powerful God who has a universe to run and millions of people crying out to Him, and yet He loves you, you know what it does? It just puts you into a place of humility like, God, I... I can't understand why you would favor me, why you would do these things for me. Any person who is an arrogant person and talking about how awesome they are, I'm saying this in love, but did you know what? You had, do not have a good relationship with God. You're comparing yourself with other people and measuring yourself among yourselves, and that's what the Scripture says is not wise. 
BUT IF YOU EVER GET INTO THE PRESENCE OF GOD AND SEE THE GLORY OF GOD, IT'LL PUT YOU IN YOUR PLACE. IT'LL LET YOU RECOGNIZE THAT, YOU KNOW, COMPARED TO PEOPLE, I MIGHT LOOK GOOD. BUT MAN, THE SCRIPTURE SAYS IN ROMANS 3.23, ALL OF SIN AND COME SHORT OF THE GLORY OF GOD. GOD IS NOT GOING TO BE COMPARING US WITH OTHER PEOPLE RELATIVE TO HOW OTHER PEOPLE LIVE. HE'S COMPARING US TO HIS GLORY. AND COMPARED TO HIS GLORY, WE ALL COME SHORT. SO IF YOU REALLY HAVE A VIBRANT RELATIONSHIP WITH GOD, IT IS AUTOMATICALLY GOING TO START PRODUCING A HUMILITY INTO YOUR LIFE TO WHERE YOU KNOW THAT IT IS NOT YOU. YOU RECOGNIZE THAT YOU HAVE SINNED AND COME SHORT OF THE GLORY OF GOD, AND YOU JUST LOOK TO HIM, AND YOU AREN'T PROMOTING YOURSELF. AND NOTICE IT SAYS THAT GOD RESISTS THE PROUD. IN THE GREEK, THIS WORD LITERALLY MEANS THAT HE FIGHTS AGAINST PROUD PEOPLE. I TELL YOU WHAT, TO GET GOD FIGHTING AGAINST YOU IS NOT A GOOD THING. AND I'M SAYING THIS IN LOVE, BUT THERE ARE SOME OF YOU WATCHING THIS PROGRAM THAT YOU KNOW THAT GOD EXISTS, AND YOU AREN'T NECESSARILY A BAD PERSON THAT'S WANTING TO GO OUT AND RAPE AND MURDER AND PLUNDER AND KILL AND DO THOSE KIND OF THINGS, BUT THAT YOU ARE DOING YOUR OWN THING. YOU ONLY GO TO GOD WHEN YOU MAKE A MISTAKE AND WHEN YOU GET YOUR BACK AGAINST THE WALL AND IT'S BEYOND YOUR ABILITY AND YOU RUN TO HIM FOR HELP. BUT YOU REALLY ARE DOING YOUR OWN THING. YOU DO YOUR THING AND YOU ASK GOD TO BLESS IT. YOU PROBABLY HAVEN'T LOOKED AT IT THIS WAY, BUT YOU KNOW WHAT? THAT'S PRIDE. THAT IS INDEPENDENCE. ONE OF THE WAYS OF DEFINING PRIDE BIBLICALLY IS TO SAY THAT YOU ARE SUBMITTED UNTO GOD. YOU ARE COMMITTED UNTO HIM. THE SCRIPTURE SAYS IN John, uh, JEREMIAH CHAPTER 10, VERSE 23, SAYS, O LORD, I KNOW THAT THE WAY OF MAN IS NOT IN HIMSELF, IT IS NOT IN MAN THAT WALKS TO DIRECT HIS OWN STEPS. AND DID YOU KNOW WHEN YOU UNDERSTAND THAT EVEN THOUGH GOD GAVE US A FREE CHOICE AND TOLD US WE CAN CHOOSE, THE RIGHT CHOICE IS TO SAY, GOD, I'M NOT SMART ENOUGH TO RUN MY OWN LIFE. AND SO YOU JUST SUBMIT TO HIM AND TURN YOUR LIFE OVER. IF YOU ARE DOING YOUR OWN THING, LET ME SUGGEST TO YOU THAT THAT'S PRIDE, INDEPENDENCE. YOU AREN'T SUBMITTED. YOU AREN'T DEPENDENT UPON GOD, WHICH IS REALLY THE CORE OF HUMILITY IS JUST BEING SUBMITTED, COMMITTED TO GOD, THAT GOD, WHATEVER YOU SAY, I'LL FOLLOW YOUR DIRECTION AND NOT MINE. THAT'S TRUE HUMILITY. SO PLUG ALL OF THAT BACK IN. GOD RESISTS THE PROUD. GOD RESISTS WHEN WE ARE DOING OUR OWN THING AND TRYING TO GET GOD TO BLESS IT. THERE'S MANY SCRIPTURES. Uh, PROVERBS CHAPTER 3, VERSE 5 SAYS, TRUST IN THE LORD WITH ALL OF YOUR HEART AND LEAN NOT UNTO YOUR OWN UNDERSTANDING. IN ALL OF YOUR WAYS ACKNOWLEDGE HIM AND HE SHALL DIRECT YOUR PATH. THAT IS SAYING THAT, YES, GOD GAVE YOU THE CHOICE. YOU CAN RUN YOUR OWN LIFE, BUT THE RIGHT CHOICE IS TO SAY, GOD, I NEED YOUR WISDOM. ANOTHER VERSE THAT GOES ALONG WITH THIS IS ROMANS CHAPTER 12, VERSE 2, WHERE IT SAYS, DON'T BE CONFORMED TO THIS WORLD. THAT MEANS POURED INTO THE MOLD. DON'T THINK LIKE THE REST OF THE PEOPLE IN THIS WORLD, BUT BE TRANSFORMED BY THE RENEWING OF YOUR MIND THAT YOU MAY PROVE WHAT IS THAT GOOD AND ACCEPTABLE AND PERFECT WILL OF GOD. THIS IS SAYING WE DON'T NEED TO LIVE LIKE EVERYBODY ELSE LIVES. MOST PEOPLE ARE DOING THEIR OWN THING, AND THEY ONLY TURN TO GOD WHEN THEIR OWN THING FAILS AND THEY NEED HELP. BUT I TELL YOU WHAT, IF WE WOULD TURN TO GOD FIRST AND SEEK HIM AND AND BE LIKE MOSES IN EXODUS CHAPTER 32 WHERE HE SAYS, GOD, IF YOU DON'T GO WITH ME, I THINK IT'S EXODUS CHAPTER 34, IF YOU DON'T GO WITH ME, I AM NOT MOVING FROM THIS PLACE. IF YOU GOT TO WHERE YOU WERE SO DEPENDENT UPON GOD THAT YOU DIDN'T HAVE YOUR OWN WILL, YOU DIDN'T HAVE YOUR OWN PLAN, 
you weren't doing your thing and asking God to bless it, it would prevent problems. God would lead you in a way that would make it look like you're really smart when the truth is all you are is dependent upon God. God knows more than you, and if you'll follow His guidance, He'll make you look smart. He can see what's around the corner. He can see what's over the hill. And it says in John chapter 16, verse 13, that when the Holy Spirit has come, He will show you things to come. God will show you things. God will warn you. In uh, Psalms chapter 34, it says, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk thou in it. God will show you. He will, make, he will keep you from making mistakes. And, but all of this comes out of humility, being dependent upon God. So when it says God resists the proud, that doesn't mean that He hates you, but God is a humble God. Matthew chapter 11, I think it's around verse 38, Jesus said, I am meek and lowly in heart. Come unto me if you labor and are heavy laden, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Jesus himself is meek. Meek doesn't mean weak. It means that he was submitted unto God. He wasn't promoting himself. He doesn't have an agenda. He loves other people more than he loved himself, and he proved it by the way he came and gave himself for our sins. And so God himself is meek. God set his kingdom to operate up uh, under humility. And if you get into pride, it's just like taking a person and putting them in water. God didn't make you to live underwater. He made you to be breathing air. And if you take a fish out of water and try and get it to breathe air, it won't exist. It's just that God created us to live with this meekness and this humility, this dependence and submission to God. And if you get out of that, it's not that God personally is against you, but you are putting yourself into an element that God never intended you to live. You need to come to a place to where you realize there's only one God and you are not Him. And as God, He should be Lord. He should be calling the shots. Did you know when a person comes and says, well, I know God told me to do this, but I'm struggling and they, they struggle with it. And then after a period of a week or two, they say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow God and I'm going to do God. But they do it begrudgingly. You know, most people think that's a great testimony. To me, that's a terrible testimony. It's better than not submitting to God at all. But to think that you would exalt your wisdom and your will and your plans right up there with God, man, I don't even relate to that. I don't always do what God tells me to do, but it's because of ignorance. It's because of flesh. I just am not paying attention or something. But once I know that God tells me to do something, man, it's just, yes, sir. I mean, I made a decision 55 years ago that I am not God and I'm not running my life and I haven't done it perfectly, but that has been my desire. When a person says that they know God told them to do something and they struggle with it, in a sense, that's idolatry. You're saying, I'm God. My wisdom is just as good as God. I know God's telling me to do this, but no, I'm going to do that. That's terrible. That's, that's worse than worshiping an idol. You're worshiping yourself. You're exalting yourself to a position where you think your wisdom is as good as God's. It's not true. Did you know how you can tell if you've got humility? It goes on to say in verse 6, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. And then in verse 7, Casting all your care 
upon him, for he careth for you. Did you know one of the ways you can tell if you're operating in humility or not is do you have the care of all of the things that you're facing? If you're facing decisions, if you've got financial decisions, marital problems, relational problems, if you've got a vision and you don't know how to get from here to there and you are under this weight of care and just being burdened down, God, what do I do? Let me suggest to you that you haven't humbled yourself. You haven't cast your care. This casting your care over on the Lord is not a separate topic. It's still talking about humility. And when you truly humble yourself, when you cast your care over on the Lord and say, God, this is your problem. Now, here I am. And if you want me to do something, I'm listening. Speak to me. I'm aware that you are going to use me. You're going to flow through me. But I, it is not my problem. I cast this problem over on you. To the best of my ability, I'm doing what you told me to do. I'm seeking you. And God, I'm waiting on you to reveal to me what I need to do to raise this money, to fix this problem, whatever it is. That's one of the ways you can tell if you're operating in true humility. Now again, see, I've talked about things that most people don't even talk about when they talk about humility. But I believe that the core of humility is just you recognizing that Jesus is Lord, that He's God, that you aren't, that His wisdom is so much superior to yours that you just run up a white flag and you say, God, I'm yours. And anything you want to do with my life, I'm not going to go this direction and try and get your blessing on my decisions. I'm only going to follow you. You know, God has done some awesome things in my life. It's been 55 years now since I had an encounter with the Lord where I began that process of submitting myself to God and being dependent upon Him. And He's done some wonderful things in my life. And there's all kinds of pressures on me. I've had some high-powered meetings today with my staff, and I'm having to make decisions where I've got to come up with an extra two or three million dollars per month <laughs> to be able to accomplish some of the things that we've already committed ourselves to doing. But did you know I can truthfully say that, man, I've just given this thing over to God and I'm listening because I know somehow or another He will use me in this process, but I am not under pressure. You know, in the book of Matthew, it says, Take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Where, where shall I sleep? Or what shall I uh, be clothed with? And it's talking about considering the ravens of the air, the lilies of the field, etc. If you read that in any of the modern translations, it says, take no anxious thought. Did you know you have to think about what you're going to eat to a degree? You have to think about it or you'll just wind up eating junk food or not eating anything. If you plan a meal, there is some thought. This isn't saying that you don't take any thought. It's saying don't take an anxious thought. And so we have to think about how we're clothed. I think some people don't think about it. Some people, man, I, I look at it and I think, did they look in the mirror before they left home? But it, this isn't saying you don't ever think about it, but it means don't be anxious about how you're going to be clothed or how you're going to be fed or all of these kind of things. And this all goes back to if you have a loving relationship with the Lord, and if you really know how much He loves you, not just because somebody else said it, but because you're in relationship with Him and He's shown you His love, you are a recipient of His love. You're walking in that love. That will produce a dependency upon Him to where you know that He loves you. And God, I know that you 
have taken, you, you care for me. I cast my care over on you because I know that you care for me. And it just gives you a peace that passes understanding. And you know what that is? That's humility. God, it's your problem. Here I am, and anything you want me to do to help solve this thing, I'm, a, I'm available, but I am not taking the responsibility. God, this is your problem. You speak to me. I believe that that's more descriptive of humility than just being beat down and thinking badly about yourself and having low self-esteem. So anyway, I just wanted to share this with you briefly today that humility, the way up in God's kingdom is down. God resists the proud, not because He hates you, but He hates pride. He hates you being independent of Him. He's given you the right to do that, but the right choice is to say, God, I'm not smart enough to live my life independent of you. I want you to give me wisdom, to show me, to speak to me. You know, the very fact that you're watching this broadcast today, I believe is an indication that you are seeking for God's wisdom and direction. And you may have tuned in wanting to hear something else, but I believe that this is what God put on my heart to speak to you. And I believe that God did speak to you today. If you're looking for direction, I believe that God has spoken some things to you. And praise God, this will be a blessing. We are going to take calls here in just a few minutes. You can call in at 719-619-2341. And you can ask me a question about what I've talked about, or you can talk about anything. You could talk about some current events, politics. I'll answer to the best of my ability. And so you're welcome to call in 719-619-2341. But let me also say that if God spoke to you today, about humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God so that He could exalt you in due time. And if God has spoken to you, I'd encourage you to call our helpline, the Andrew Womack Ministries helpline, and the number there is 719-635-1111. And we have people standing by 24 hours a day at the phones, seven days a week, and they can pray with you. And I also have a book entitled More... Uh, Grace, More Favor, that's actually a book on humility. I've got a number of teachings. I've got a little booklet uh, called Self-Centeredness, The Source of All Grief. I think it's just a 50 or 60 page booklet and we will give that away to you as a free gift if you want to call 719-635-1111. You can't call this number to talk to me, but if you'll call our helpline number 719-635-1111 and tell them that you heard me say this. I don't think I warned them You'll have to tell them that I'm giving it away, but I do this often and they will give you that little booklet and uh, I promise you it would be a blessing. So again, I'd love to take your calls. I'm here by myself today and any way I can help you pray with you, answer your questions, uh, I'd love to do it. The number is 719-619-2341. We have some open lines now, so I'm gonna take a little 90 second break and then we'll be back and I'll take your calls. The moment you believe your healing is done and it's just a matter of time until whatever the symptoms are, are gone. You observe what Jesus did and try in your mind and say, I'm making a judgment that Jesus paid the price for me. We focus on what the doctors can do for us more than what God can do for us. Say, God is my healer not the doctor. 
At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are, and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life. All right, we're back from our break. I'm Andrew Womack. We've got some lines open. If you would like to call and talk to me, ask a question or anything, you can call 719-619-2341. And we've got some lines open, so please call uh, and we'll try and get you in. So we've got Serene on from Nevada and you're on Truth and Liberty live call in with Andrew. What have you got, Serene? I can't hear you if you are there. Lexi, what do I do? Oh my gosh. What do I do to get heard? All right, I can hear you now. I think my connection here was loose. I just pushed it in, okay. so that's okay. I can hear you now, sir. Thank you, thank you. Okay, just want to thank you so much for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I've been with you for about five, ten years. And my big question is at the moment, there are many questions that are really important, what's going on in the world. However, my friends and I have been discussing about the earth. My friend said she saw in Genesis, I haven't found it yet, that God said the earth has four corners with a dome over it, north, south, East and West has corners, and that the Earth is flat, not round, as we've been told, but there is a dome over it. How does that sound? I think that's totally wrong. Uh, let me say that I'm aware of that scripture, and the scripture says that he, you know, in the book of Revelation, that the angels were there to hold back the four winds from the earth, and there's mention of four corners. But the Bible also says that God set his compass upon the face of the deep, which a compass is a circle. And I've actually been up in a plane, up at 40,000 uh, feet, you know, flying overseas, and you can see the curve of the earth. And so I just don't agree with that at all. I believe, you know, there's certain things the Bible says that, uh, you know, he can hold the universe in the, in the span of his hand, talking about the width of his hand. The Lord is just communicating to us his awesomeness, his hugeness and stuff like that. I don't believe that you can hold every single thing in the Word to a literal interpretation like that. Now that has some problems, me saying that, because some people will just start on their own uh, choosing to spiritualize or make an analogy out of everything. I, I take the Bible very literally, but when you see one passage of Scripture talk about the four corners of the earth, and then you see another one talking about the compass that's set upon the earth, well, then those things look opposite. You have to look at it, and I believe that it's using it in a symbolic uh, form. 
I know some people that have um, taught this. Matter of fact, I've got some Bible college students that are really pushing this that have already graduated. And I talked to one that was a good friend of mine and he was making a big deal out of this. And one of the ways that I refuted that was just to say, how about the people that are really preaching this doctrine? Look at their life. And I guarantee you they aren't changing people's lives. Whether the earth was flat or round isn't an issue that's going to change people's lives. And the people who are promoting that are doing it uh, to a large degree to draw disciples unto themselves, to make it look like that they know things that other people don't know. And I think it's very detrimental. And every person that I've seen that has got into this doctrine, their uh, witness to other people has gone down. Their influence on other people has gone down. It's not a positive thing. The fruit of it isn't good. So, Serene, I would say emphatically that that is not uh, true. I think that the earth is a globe. Uh, you know, I can't tell you exactly if it's a perfect globe or if it's a pear shape or things like that, but I do believe that it's uh, a globe, not a flat surface. So that's my answer to that one, Serene. I hope that helps you. All right, so let's go to Donna, and Donna is a partner from Florida. And uh, so, Donna, thank you for calling in. You're on uh, Truth and Liberty with Andrew. What have you got to say? Hi. Hello. I was wondering. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I was wondering about the second judgment that's talked about in Revelation, of course, of the unbelievers. I was wondering why do they have a judgment if they're all guilty? of rejecting Jesus. Well, I'm not sure whether you're talking about the judgment of the unbelievers or the believers. No, the unbelievers. I'm sorry, the unbelievers. Okay, well, unbelievers have rejected the Lord, but there is coming a day that they're going to stand before God and they're going to have to give an account of everything. In Matthew chapter 12, around verse 30-something, it says that every idle word that people speak, they will give an account thereof in the day of judgment, for by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. And so even though they've already rejected Jesus, and if they died prior to the second return of the Lord, they would have already have been committed to what we call hell, which is in the center of the earth. But there is coming a time at the end of this age when God creates a new heaven and a new earth. All of those people that were already separated from God in hell are going to be brought before God and they are going to be judged and they're going to have to give an account of everything that they've done. And um, like you said, they, they are already, their eternal destiny has already been decided because you can't, you don't get a second chance once you pass this life. So they've already committed themselves uh, to hell, but God is just going to have them stand before him and they're going to have to give an account and face him. And you know, Donald, let me say this. That there, I hear a lot of people saying that, man, when I stand before God, I'm going to ask him why he did this and why he did this. And it doesn't seem fair. <laughs> I tell you what, anybody who says something like that has never seen the glory of God. I've never seen it with my physical eyes. But I have seen in my heart, by revelation, the glory of God. And I can guarantee you that when you stand before God and we see His awesomeness, His glory, 
I BELIEVE ONE OF THE REASONS THAT THE BIBLE SAYS THAT NO MAN CAN SEE GOD AND LIVE IS BECAUSE HE IS SO AWESOME THAT IT LITERALLY, OUR BODIES COULD NOT CONTAIN HIS GLORY. WE WOULD JUST EXPLODE. WE WOULD SELF-DESTRUCT. IT'S NOT THAT GOD IS SO PRIVATE. HE DOESN'T WANT US GLIMPSING AT HIM BECAUSE HE'S A PRIVATE PERSON. NO, IT'S BECAUSE HE IS SO GLORIOUS THAT IF WE WERE TO SEE HIS GLORY, it, OUR MORTAL BODY COULDN'T HANDLE IT. AND SOMEDAY WE'RE GOING TO STAND BEFORE GOD AND ALL OF THESE PEOPLE WHO HAD THESE OBJECTIONS AND SAY, GOD, IT'S NOT FAIR, AND YOU DID THIS AND YOU DID THAT, WHEN THEY STAND BEFORE GOD AND HAVE TO GIVE AN ACCOUNT FOR EVERY WORD THAT THEY'VE SPOKEN, EVERY DEED THAT THEY'VE DONE, THEY ARE EVERYONE GOING TO FALL ON THEIR FACE. AND ACCORDING TO PHILIPPIANS CHAPTER 2, THEY ARE GOING TO CONFESS THAT JESUS CHRIST IS LORD TO THE GLORY OF GOD. THERE'S NOT GOING TO BE ANY GRIPING. THERE'S GOING TO BE NOBODY SHAKING THEIR FIST AT GOD, AND NOBODY'S GOING TO BE COMPLAINING. THEY WILL BE WEEPING AND WAILING WITH GNASHING OF TEETH FOR HOW STUPID THEY WERE TO STAND AGAINST THIS GLORIOUS GOD. BUT AS TO WHY, IF THEY'VE ALREADY BEEN CONDEMNED TO HELL, WHY ARE THEY GOING TO GO TO ANOTHER JUDGMENT? I DON'T KNOW GOD'S LOGIC BEHIND THAT, BUT I DO KNOW THAT IT'S GOING TO HAPPEN, AND I, IF NOTHING ELSE, JUST TO PROVE TO THEMSELVES AND TO THE REST OF ALL OF THE HUMANITY, THE HOLINESS, THE AWESOMENESS OF GOD. HE'S GOING TO REVEAL WHY IT IS THAT THEY ARE CONDEMNED TO A LAKE OF FIRE. YOU KNOW, AFTER THE NEW HEAVENS AND THE NEW EARTH, THIS EARTH WILL BE GONE, HELL WILL BE GONE, AND INSTEAD, PEOPLE WILL SPEND ETERNITY IN A LAKE OF FIRE. AND I THINK THAT ONE OF THE PURPOSES OF THAT IS JUST TO SHOW PEOPLE HIS JUSTICE, HIS HOLINESS, THAT HE HASN'T EVER TREATED ANYBODY UNFAIRLY. HE'S GIVEN EVERY SINGLE PERSON MULTIPLE MILLIONS OF TIMES MORE OPPORTUNITIES THAN WHAT WE DESERVE. SO THAT'S MY TAKE ON IT, DONNA. I DON'T KNOW uh, IF THAT'S ALL THERE IS TO IT, BUT I THINK THAT THAT'S AT LEAST PART OF THE REASON THAT THESE PEOPLE WILL STAND BEFORE GOD A SECOND TIME. SO THANK YOU FOR YOUR CALL, DONNA. LET'S GO TO ROBERT IN FLORIDA, AND uh, YOU ARE ON TRUTH AND LIBERTY WITH ANDREW. HI, ANDREW. Um, MY QUESTION TO YOU IS LONGEVITY IN MINISTRY. HOW DO WE GET A HOLD OF YOUR TEACHING ON THAT? Uh, WHAT IS IT CALLED? IS IT CALLED LONGEVITY IN MINISTRY OR SOMETHING ELSE? YOU KNOW, I'VE GOT a MULTIPLE THINGS THAT DEAL WITH THAT. MATTER OF FACT, I WAS JUST TALKING TO A FRIEND OF MINE. HE'S THE GUY THAT HELPED ME START uh, Caris BIBLE COLLEGE. AND WE WENT OVER ON OUR VERY FIRST MISSIONS TRIP TO IRELAND. AND WE WENT AND STAYED AT THE HOME OF ARTHUR BURT. I DON'T KNOW IF YOU EVER HEARD OF HIM, BUT HE DIED WHEN HE WAS 103 YEARS OLD. AND HE USED TO TRAVEL WITH SMITH WIGGLESWORTH. AND WE WERE TALKING ABOUT THIS VERY THING, ROBERT, JUST EARLIER TODAY. AND ONE OF OUR YOUNG BIBLE SCHOOLS uh, STUDENT, HE JUST CAME UP TO ARTHUR AND HE SAYS, WHAT ADVICE WOULD YOU GIVE TO A YOUNG MINISTER? How, HOW CAN I LAST IN MINISTRY? BASICALLY THE SAME QUESTION THAT YOU'RE ASKING. HOW DO YOU HAVE LONGEVITY IN MINISTRY? AND ARTHUR BURT, WHO USED TO TRAVEL WITH SMITH WIGGLESWORTH, YOU KNOW, HAD a, uh, QUITE A LIFE. HE SAID, THE BEST THING FOR A YOUNG MINISTER TO DO IS TO LISTEN TO AN OLD MINISTER. AND THAT'S NOT ALL THERE IS TO IT, BUT I GUARANTEE YOU THAT IS A BIG PART OF IT. ANYBODY WHO IS STILL VERTICAL AND IS STILL LOVING GOD AND IS STILL BEARING FRUIT IN THEIR OLD AGE AS A MINISTER, I GUARANTEE YOU SATAN JUST COMES AGAINST YOU AND ANY PERSON WHO'S STILL PRODUCTIVE AFTER MANY YEARS OF MINISTRY HAS SOMETHING FOR YOU TO LEARN. SO THAT'S ONE OF THE BIG THINGS. BUT AS FAR AS PRODUCT THAT I'VE GOT, I'M TEACHING ON TELEVISION 
right now a series entitled uh, 10 uh, Essentials of Godly Leadership. And what this is about, it's basically about relationship with the Lord, but it goes through 10 things that are absolutely essential, and that would be a tremendous resource for you. So I've got that at teaching on CD and DVD, and then I also have a little booklet that I put out that just briefly summarizes it. I think it's a 50-page booklet, and so that would deal with that. And then also, Robert, what I talked about here today, humility, I think, is an absolute essential and it's one of the most foundational things because it says that God resists the proud. And Robert, some people don't understand this, but like uh, when I got started in ministry, I had a desire to reach people all over the world for over 55 years now. And man, for many years, over a decade, I was totally frustrated. And I saw very, very little success and I just couldn't understand. And in hindsight, looking back, one of the reasons that God didn't open the ministry and give me more influence back in the beginning was because He loved me. And He didn't want to put me in a position where Satan was going to be aiming at me and all of these pressures were going to be coming at me and I didn't have the maturity to be able to handle it. So looking back, I can see one of the reasons that my ministry didn't flourish in the beginning and I didn't reach people is because I wasn't able to handle it. And God loved me more than He loved what I could do for Him. And so one of the reasons that the ministry hadn't worked is because I just didn't have the maturity. And see, all of this goes back to humility. You need to recognize, I read these verses. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Robert, there is a due time to God exalting you. Now, you can humble yourself right now, but the due time is going to depend. I don't think God's got a date circled on a calendar that this is your due time and this is when your vision is going to start being fulfilled. It's more like just whenever you submit yourself and develop the character and the integrity and the maturity to be able to handle what God has told you to do, that's going to be when God releases that due time. So there's a lot of things involved, but that teaching on humility would be good. The teaching that I have on 10 godly leadership essentials would be good. And you could call that number at 719-635-1111 and they could uh, send you those materials or you can go to our website and order at awmi.net. So did that help, Robert? It did right on the spot. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right, we've still got some lines open at uh, 719-619-2341. And if you'd like to call, I'd be glad to talk to you and answer your question the best I know how. Let's go to Jennifer in New Jersey. And you are on Truth and Liberty live call in with Andrew. Hello, Andrew. How are you? I am blessed. How about you, Jennifer? I am blessed as well, and I hope that you know how many people you bless, millions of people you bless with your shows, with your truth, with your teachings. We are so grateful. I'm speaking on behalf of everyone. Well, <laughs> The ability thank you. to be able to call and ask you a question is just amazing. Good. So, um, thank you. I'm wondering what your thoughts are about Mark 14:51. after uh, Jesus was betrayed in the garden. It said, there followed him a certain young man having a linen cloth cast around his naked body, and the young men laid hold on him. He left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Do you 
have any insight as to who this man was. Was he dead and came back to life, or I'll let you answer. <laughs> well, I, I don't claim that I have a revelation from God where God's told me who this was. But my opinion is that this is Mark, the author of that gospel, and he just made a reference to himself. It would be similar to what John did when he wrote the book of John. He never called himself by name, but he referred to the disciple whom Jesus loved. And as you compare, like for instance, at the Last Supper in John chapter 13, and you compare, it says that Peter turned to the one whom Jesus loved, who was leaning on his breast. Well, by comparing that with the other Gospels, you find out that that's John, but John never called himself by name. I think it was a way of just not trying to draw attention to himself, but he did mention him. And so I think in a sense, that's probably what it was. This is just andeology. I'm not gonna uh, force this or say it's God inspired, but I think it was the author of the book of Mark Mark referring to himself that he was there and uh, he was the one that fled away naked. I don't think it was somebody raised from the dead. I will say this, Jennifer, there is a passage in Matthew that says after Jesus rose from the dead, or excuse me, I think it was, uh, it was at his crucifixion that there was a great earthquake and Matthew says that multitudes came out of the grave and walked in Jerusalem after Jesus' resurrection. They were resurrected at His crucifixion, but then they came out of the graves after His resurrection and appeared unto many people. And man, that's, uh, that's an amazing passage of Scripture, and no other gospel writer or, or another passage expounds on it. Uh, it's hard to understand, but my point in bringing that up is to say that that only happened after the resurrection. They came out of the grave. So I don't think it's any of those people. I don't think that this was someone who was raised from the dead and somehow or another appeared. I think it was Mark would be my guess. Do you have an opinion on that or is that good? Um, I'll go by your andeology. Do you want to laugh? I called in on one of the earliest shows and asked you about that account in Matthew. Mm -hmm. I don't remember, but yeah, I remember... Um yeah, that's an amazing passage of Scripture. I tell you, that, that probably would have to be one of the greatest miracles of all time. And it's just one verse in the book of Matthew that mentions it. And there's no explanation. There's no talk about how did the people in Jerusalem respond when they saw all of these people coming out of the graves that had been dead. It's an amazing passage of Scripture, but there's no explanation given. You know, John did say in his gospel, he says, there were many other things that Jesus did, which if they were to be written every one, I suspect that even the world itself could not contain the volumes that could be written about it. And I actually heard Rick Renner say this, that he added up the number of days that the four gospels record in Jesus' life, and it's only, it's less than a month. It was like 27 or 28 days worth of his three and a half year ministry. And so, man, there's, we just have the tip of the iceberg. And praise God for what he did inspire people to write, but there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, when we get to heaven, man, it's gonna be awesome to understand all things and, and to really get a better picture on what's happened. So thanks for your call, Jennifer. We still have some lines open. We've got just a few minutes before we go to the break. You can call at 719-619-2341. 
SO LET'S GO TO JOHNNY. HE IS FROM VERNON, ALABAMA. AND JOHNNY, YOU'RE ON THE TRUTH AND LIBERTY LIVE CALL-IN SHOW. ALL RIGHT. CAN YOU HEAR ME? YES, SIR. I HEAR YOU JUST FINE. ALL RIGHT. I, I JUST WANT TO SAY I APPRECIATE YOUR MINISTRY AND I REALLY VALUE YOUR OPINION. SO THAT'S THE REASON I'M CALLING. But AMEN. I, MY QUESTION IS, uh, I WAS ALWAYS TAUGHT THAT ALL COMMUNICATION IS YOU PRAY TO GOD THE FATHER IN JESUS' NAME. AND uh, YOU HEAR A LOT OF PEOPLE SAY THAT you, can, YOU SHOULD ASK THE HOLY SPIRIT QUESTIONS AND HE'LL GIVE YOU ANSWERS, OR YOU CAN ASK HIM DIRECTLY FOR HELP AND HE'LL HELP YOU. IS THAT, is that, a, is that PROPER OR IS THAT WRONG TO DO THAT? WELL, JOHNNY, I COULD SPEND A LOT OF TIME TALKING ABOUT THIS. LET ME JUST ANSWER IT QUICKLY BY SAYING THIS, THAT PEOPLE COME UP TO ME ALL OF THE TIME AND SAY, PASTOR ANDREW, I'M NOT A PASTOR. I HAVE PASTORED THREE LITTLE CHURCHES, BUT I WASN'T CALLED A PASTOR. THAT'S JUST, YOU KNOW, IN A SENSE, IT WAS MY TRAINING. BUT PEOPLE CALL ME PASTOR OR THEY CALL ME EVANGELIST. AND YOU KNOW WHAT? INSTEAD OF SITTING THERE AND SAYING, I'M NOT A PASTOR. DON'T REFER TO ME. I'M GRACIOUS ENOUGH THAT I UNDERSTAND WHAT PEOPLE ARE SAYING AND IT'S NOT A PROBLEM AND I'LL LET THEM GO AHEAD AND THEY'LL JUST REFER TO ME PASTOR AND, and DO THINGS. WELL, I BELIEVE THAT IF I'M GRACIOUS ENOUGH NOT TO JUMP ON A PERSON BECAUSE THEY'VE TECHNICALLY MADE A MISTAKE IN ADDRESSING WHAT MY PROPER POSITION IS, IF I'M GRACIOUS, I CAN GUARANTEE YOU GOD IS GRACIOUS. SO I BELIEVE THAT THE PROPER WAY TO PRAY, JESUS SAID IN THE 15TH CHAPTER OF THE BOOK OF JOHN THAT WE DON'T HAVE TO ASK HIM. WE CAN GO DIRECTLY TO THE FATHER IN THE NAME OF JESUS. AND WE CAN ASK THINGS. AND SO I THINK TECHNICALLY WE SHOULDN'T BE JUST SAYING, OH, JESUS, HELP ME. WE OUGHT TO BE SAYING, FATHER, BECAUSE OF JESUS AND BECAUSE OF WHAT HE'S DONE AND MY RELATIONSHIP WITH YOU THROUGH JESUS, I'M ASKING YOU TO HELP. SO TECHNICALLY, I THINK WE OUGHT TO ADDRESS THE FATHER. THAT'S WHAT JESUS SAID. TECHNICALLY, THE HOLY SPIRIT IS NOT THE ONE THAT WE PRAY TO, BUT WE SHOULD BE AWARE OF HIM AND AWARE OF HIS MINISTRY AND RECEPTIVE TO IT, BUT EVERYTHING SHOULD BE DIRECTED TOWARDS THE FATHER. BUT AGAIN, GOD IS NOT A STICKLER ON THINGS, AND I DON'T THINK HE'S GOING TO CRITICIZE ANY OF US. AND IF WE TRULY LOVE HIM, WHETHER WE'RE CALLING OUT TO JESUS, THEY'RE ALL ONE. GOD, THE FATHER, SON, AND THE HOLY SPIRIT, THEY'RE ONE. JESUS SAID, if you've, IF YOU'VE SEEN ME, YOU'VE SEEN THE FATHER. IF YOU DON'T HONOR ME, THEN YOU AREN'T HONORING THE FATHER. SEE, THIS IS WHERE THE JEHOVAH WITNESS MISS IT, BECAUSE THEY SAY, OH, YEAH, JESUS WAS EXALTED, BUT HE WAS NOTHING BUT AN ANGEL. HE WAS LIKE GABRIEL, THE ARCHANGEL, AND HE WAS AN EXALTED MAN WHO GOT EXALTED TO ANGELIC BEING, BUT THEY WILL NOT ACKNOWLEDGE JESUS AS GOD. THAT MAKES THEM A CULT. THAT IS THE FOUNDATION OF A CULT. SO uh, I BELIEVE THAT WE SHOULD HONOR JESUS, BUT well, WE NEED TO RECOGNIZE THAT IT'S THE FATHER, SON, AND THE HOLY SPIRIT. THEY'RE ONE. TECHNICALLY, WE OUGHT TO WORSHIP GOD THROUGH JESUS AND BE RECEPTIVE TO THE HOLY SPIRIT, KNOWING THAT THAT'S THE WAY THAT HE MOVES. BUT GOD IS NOT A LEGALIST, AND HE'S NOT GOING TO REJECT YOU. SO THAT WOULD BE MY ANSWER TO THAT, JOHNNY. I HOPE THAT HELPED YOU. IT DOES. I APPRECIATE THAT. YES, SIR. THANK YOU FOR YOUR CALL. SO WE'RE GOING TO BE TAKING A BREAK HERE IN JUST ABOUT SIX MINUTES, BUT WE'VE STILL GOT SOME LINES OPEN IF YOU WANT TO CALL 719-619-2341. LET'S GO TO JAMES IN FLORIDA, AND YOU'RE ON TRUTH AND LIBERTY LIVE CALL IN WITH ANDREW. WHAT HAVE YOU GOT, JAMES? HELLO. HELLO. Hey, YES, SIR. Love, uh, LOVE YOUR MINISTRY. THANKS FOR ALL THAT YOU DO. Uh, YES, SIR. MY, my QUESTION IS, uh, WEEKS AGO I HAD HEARD YOU uh, LIVE ON TV SPEAKING ABOUT uh, 
about the third of the angels in Revelations, uh, the third of the stars being swept by the dragon's tail and cast down, and that it was bad in- interpretation to assume that that one and only statement in the Bible uh, confirmed that they were, in fact, a third of the angels. Um, my question is, if if that's not the case, because I was I was raised Catholic, and that's what they taught us, that it meant, but uh, if that's not what it means, then where did the demons come from? You know, that is a great question that I have asked the Lord numerous times, and I'm not sure that I know. Let me just go back and say for the benefit of those listening who aren't aware of what I said, in Revelation chapter 12, it, people say that this dragon took a third of the stars and cast them to the earth. And in Revelation 12, it says that that dragon is Satan. And so people have interpreted that to say that Satan took one third of the angels and rebelled against God. And I was only saying that you can't base a doctrine on one verse. Even in the Old Testament, it said that nobody should ever be condemned by the witness of one person. You have to have two or three witnesses. Jesus referred to that, and Paul also referred to that same principle. So you need to have multiple scriptures to be able to form a doctrine. And that one verse in Revelation chapter 12 is the only place I'm aware of in scripture. And I've studied scripture for 55 years, day and night. And it's the only verse that even mentions anything that could remotely be interpreted as one-third of the angels rebelled. So I'm not saying that didn't happen. I'm just saying that you can't make that a scriptural doctrine based on that one verse. So that's what James is talking about. As to what, if, if it wasn't one-third of the angels that rebelled with um, Satan, well, then where did they come from? I don't know. Another interpretation, and I, I disagree with this, but some people say that there was a pre-Adamic civilization and that Satan had a kingdom that he ruled on on the earth before the story of Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And they say that, and they use this primarily to reconcile uh, the biblical account of Genesis 1 with the millions and billions of years that evolutionists talk about. And they say that the earth is millions and billions of years older, old and that there was a pre-Adamic civilization that Satan ruled over. That's where his rebellion happened. And all of those people who agreed with Satan uh, in that previous pre-Adamic civilization, that those became the demons. And there's some people that theorize that. But there is zero, zero scriptural evidence for that. And so again, I'm not saying that it couldn't, well, I am saying that there wasn't a pre-Adamic civilization because if that's where all of the dinosaurs came from and all of this stuff, evolution is based upon a cycle of living and mutation and death and then the next generation evolves and comes this and the scripture makes it very clear in Romans chapter 5 that by one man, Adam, death entered the world. If a person believes in a pre-Adamic civilization and tries to use that to reconcile the fossil record and things like this, you have to believe that death uh, existed on the earth before Genesis chapter 
3 where Adam and Eve sinned. And yet the Bible makes it very clear in Romans chapter 5 and other places that through one man, Adam, sin entered the world and death by sin. So I reject this pre-Adamic civilization. I've got some good friends who preach that, and I don't think they're of the devil. That doesn't mean that they've lost their salvation. I just believe that they're taking liberties with Scripture that aren't there. And man, I'm a stickler that we need to stick with what the Word says, and those things just can't be verified. So back to your original question, James, I don't have an answer where demons came from. It's very possible that those are angels that rebelled with Satan. I just don't know. And I also, some people think, uh, you know, that there's always been just millions, billions of demons. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if there is a personal demon for every person. People take a lot of liberties. I certainly believe Satan exists. It's not just a concept. He's a person. I certainly believe that demons exist. Jesus cast demons out of people. They manifest. I've cast demons out of people and seen them manifest. So I believe that all of those things exist. But as far as where they came from, do they procreate? Do demons have baby demons? Man, those are just things that aren't revealed in the Word of God. And so anything I would say would just be a guess on my part. So I really don't have a great answer for that. So James, I'm going to have to let it go with that. I'm going to take a break here in just a minute, but we do have one line open. If you would like to call, the number is 719-619-2341. And I guess one of the good things about not having a guest on my program is that, man, I can run through a lot of questions. So we've dealt with a lot of phone calls today, and I'd be glad to take your phone calls. Again, it's 719-619-2341. I'm going to take a short break, and then I'll be right back to take more calls. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. You were created with a purpose. Written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. So welcome back to our Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I'm Andrew Womack, and today I'm just doing this by myself without a guest. I've been able to take a lot of phone calls, and so it's really been good. So now we're going to go to, I'm, I'm not sure about the name. It looks to me like it's misspelled. It's either Mitchell or Mich Michelle over in the United Kingdom. What, what's your name? It's Michelle. Hi, okay. Andrew. Thank you so much for this opportunity. 
Um, so I'd like to ask, uh, how do I raise my children? I've got two babies. Uh, older one is two years, and the younger one is one year. And how do I raise them uh, in the ways of God? Because recently, on, honestly, I've been so anxious and so scared, and I was like, the world is so evil. How do I impact the Word of God in, 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 in those children? You know, that's a great question, Michelle. And I, I've often said to people that I've seen my son raised from the dead, and raising him from the dead was much easier than raising him. <laughs> man, uh, man uh, raising kids is harder than raising the dead. But there are promises in the Word of God. Uh, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, that train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. And the word train there, many people miss this. They think, well, if I just tell my kids about God, that that's sufficient. No, there's a difference between just telling a person about God and training them. That implies repeated uh, discipline, uh, making a disciple out of it. And so, Michelle, one of the most, you know, this is a big topic, and I'm certainly not going to answer it in the next minute or two, but one of the most important things you can do is just go to God and confess to Him that, God, I need your help. Give me wisdom. And every day, look for God to give you wisdom. And one of the things that you've mentioned, Michelle, is uh, it's already showing that God has imparted wisdom to you because we live in a world today that is rejecting morality and God big time. And even the United Kingdom is, I think, further down that road to wokeism beyond even the United States. And so you've already recognized that, and that's God speaking to you that you need to protect them. You can't just put your kids in public school and expect that they are going to be taught the right things. So you, you already are hearing from God, and you need to model it. You not need to just talk about it, but man, when it, you teach your kids about being gracious and forgiving, you need to be that way. When you talk about loving God, studying the Word, going to church, you need to do those things. So there's multiple things. There's a lot involved in raising kids, but uh, I would say the most important thing is just to be God-dependent, and God wants your kids to be godly more than you do. And if you would listen to Him, I believe He'll show you and speak to you and help you. But I agree with you, Michelle, that it's tough raising a kid today because there's just so much ungodliness. And with the Internet, things being thrown at them, I would encourage you not to give your kids just total access to the Internet and social media and stuff because there's a lot of perverse stuff on there, and I think it's nearly impossible for you to police all of it. So I'm praying for you, Michelle, and I'm praying for those kids. Your heart is right, and God will give you wisdom and show you what to do. I believe that. Thanks for your call, Michelle. So let's go to Gary in Colorado, and you are on Truth and Liberty Live call in with Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Uh, my question comes from Matthew 6:19 and Matthew 6:20. It says, "Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth." And then 20, it says, but lay up your, for yourselves treasure in heaven. So my question is, how do we do this? And if we do have treasures in heaven, how do we make withdrawals or can we? That's my question. Well, I think there's multiple ways you can lay up treasure in heaven. One of them is over in the 16th chapter of the book of uh, Luke. 
JESUS TAUGHT A PARABLE, AND HE SAID, USE MONEY. THIS IS LUKE CHAPTER 16, VERSE 9, AND THIS IS MY PARAPHRASE BECAUSE THE KING JAMES IS AWKWARD. IT'S OLD ENGLISH. BUT IT SAYS, USE MONEY TO TOUCH PEOPLE'S LIVES SO THAT WHEN YOU DIE, THEY WILL RECEIVE YOU INTO EVERLASTING HABITATIONS. SO ONE OF THE WAYS YOU CAN LAY UP TREASURE IN HEAVEN IS TO TAKE THE MONEY THAT WE HAVE NOW AND USE IT TO REACH PEOPLE, TO REACH THEM WITH THE GOSPEL, TO HELP THEM. LIKE I'VE GOT FRIENDS THAT ARE HELPING PEOPLE IN THE SEX TRADE. I'VE GOT PEOPLE THAT ARE GOING OUT AND FEEDING THE HUNGRY. AND THROUGH YOU TAKING YOUR RESOURCES AND TOUCHING PEOPLE'S LIKE THAT, JESUS SAID THAT WHEN YOU ENTER INTO HEAVEN, THEY WILL BE LINED UP INTO HEAVEN TO THANK YOU FOR WHAT YOU'VE DONE. SO YOU CAN LITERALLY LAY UP TREASURE IN HEAVEN BY TAKING YOUR RESOURCES AND INSTEAD OF BLOWING IT ON JUST PHYSICAL THINGS, PUT IT INTO PEOPLE'S LIVES. GET PEOPLE BORN AGAIN, HEALED, DELIVERED, MARRIAGES PUT TOGETHER. AND I THINK THAT'S ONE WAY THAT YOU DO IT. ANOTHER PART OF YOUR QUESTION WAS, HOW DO YOU MAKE A WITHDRAWAL? Uh, IT SAYS IN Ma MARK CHAPTER 10, JESUS SAID THAT THERE IS NO MAN THAT HAS LEFT HOUSE, FATHER, MOTHER, BROTHER, SISTER, OR LANDS FOR MY SAKE, BUT HE SHALL RECEIVE A HUNDREDFOLD IN THIS LIFE AND IN THE LIFE TO COME, WITH PERSECUTIONS AND IN THE LIFE TO COME, EVERLASTING LIFE. AND SO I BELIEVE THAT ALSO AS YOU USE YOUR RESOURCES AND YOU GIVE THEM, YOU GIVE YOUR RESOURCES uh, TO THE LORD, HE'S PROMISED HE'LL GIVE IT BACK TO YOU A HUNDREDFOLD IN THIS LIFE. BUT, GARY, ONE OF THE THINGS I TELL MY STAFF ALL OF THE TIME WHEN WE ARE NEEDING FINANCES, I SAID, I CAN'T JUST GO TO PEOPLE AND ASK PEOPLE TO SUPPORT ME IF I HAVEN'T MADE A DEPOSIT IN THEIR LIFE. AND SO WHEN WE NEED FINANCES, I, WHAT I DO IS SAY, HOW CAN I DEPOSIT SOMETHING IN PEOPLE'S LIVES? HOW CAN I BLESS THEM? AND ONCE YOU MAKE A DEPOSIT, THEN YOU CAN MAKE A WITHDRAWAL. AND IT'S THE SAME THING. ONCE YOU BEGIN TO START GIVING YOUR RESOURCES AND YIELDING THEM TO THE LORD, WELL, THEN YOU ARE LAYING UP TREASURES IN HEAVEN, LIKE MATTHEW CHAPTER 6, VERSE 19 TALKS ABOUT. AND IF YOU HAVE GIVEN, WELL, THEN YOU CAN SAY, GOD, I'M A GIVER, AND PRAISE GOD, YOU SAID I'D RECEIVE A HUNDREDFOLD IN THIS LIFE. I NEED TO MAKE A WITHDRAWAL, <laughs> and, AND YOU CAN DO IT. AND I'M SEEING THAT HAPPEN IN MY LIFE. I'M SEEING GOD MULTIPLY THE SEEDS THAT I'VE SOWN A HUNDREDFOLD. YOU KNOW, WE'VE GIVEN AWAY, PROBABLY, WE QUIT COUNTING AT 100 MILLION BOOKS, TAPES, CD'S, DVD'S, AND THAT'S NOT INCLUDING OUR WEBSITE THAT GIVES AWAY uh, OVER A MILLION DOWNLOADS PER MONTH. BUT WE HAVE GIVEN AWAY HUNDREDS OF MILLIONS, PROBABLY TWO OR THREE HUNDRED MILLION PIECES OF MATERIAL TO PEOPLE, AND I'VE MADE DEPOSITS IN PEOPLE'S LIVES, AND SO NOW THAT ALLOWS ME TO GO AND SAY, FATHER, I NEED MONEY TO BE ABLE TO ACCOMPLISH THIS BUILDING AND STUFF, AND I MAKE A WITHDRAWAL ONLY AFTER YOU'VE MADE A DEPOSIT. SO IF A PERSON IS PRAYING AND SAYING, OH, GOD, SUPPLY MY NEEDS, BUT IF YOU HAVEN'T BEEN A GIVER AND IF YOU AREN'T DOING SOMETHING, GOD LOVES YOU AND HE WILL KEEP YOU ALIVE AND AFLOAT, BUT YOU AREN'T GOING TO SEE THE ABUNDANCE UNTIL YOU START uh, DELIBERATELY GIVING AND MAKING DEPOSITS, AND THEN YOU CAN START MAKING WITHDRAWALS. SO I HOPE THAT HELPS, GARY. Yes, THANK YOU. ALL RIGHT. SO WE'VE STILL GOT A LINE OPEN, 719-619-2341. LET'S GO TO CHRISTINE IN NEW YORK. YOU ARE ON TRUTH AND LIBERTY LIVE CALL-IN SHOW. HI, ANDREW. THANK YOU FOR TAKING MY CALL. I LOVE, LOVE, LOVE THIS SHOW. LOVE IT. WELL, GOOD, GOOD. SO MY, my QUESTION COMES FROM 2 CORINTHIANS 10, um, um, VERSE 
um, four through six, so talking about the weapons of our warfare, um, I, I kind of get the pretty much we get the, the gist of, of that um, that scripture, but because um, you're talking about casting down um, arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Could you give, like, just break that down just a little bit and kind of even give maybe a, a practical example of what um, taking um, every thought into captivity, a negative thought and um, into captivity I mean, bringing it into the obedience of Christ, what that actually looks like, I would really appreciate Yes, ma'am. That's a powerful scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures, and I've used that hundreds, maybe thousands of times. But you can control your thoughts. Some people think, I just can't help it. This person said this. They hurt me, and they just feel like that they do not have the ability to forgive them and put it out of their mind. Now, I am not a perfect example. I'm not saying that, but I have exercised myself on this exact scripture that you're talking about, Christine, and I have taken my thoughts captive. And I can give you an example of a man who actually accused me of stealing money from the church, committing adultery, doing drugs, getting drunk. All of those were lies. He attacked me. I talked to him about it. And yet, the things that he said and the things that he was doing against me, I took my thoughts captive and I said, God, I know I'm innocent. You know I'm innocent. I don't know what his problem is, but I just chose to forgive him. And did you know that the next week I drove by his business and I was in the habit of stopping and talking to him. I was, a pa I was his pastor and I just went in and he was cool towards me. He wouldn't talk to me. He wouldn't visit. And when I went back out to the car, I asked, I told Jamie, I said, something's wrong. He, did, he wasn't friendly like he normally is. And she had to remind me of all of the stuff that he had been saying about me. And I had literally taken those thoughts and rejected them to such a degree that I had forgotten what he had done. Now, again, I'm not a perfect example. I'm not saying it has to be exactly that way for every person. You don't necessarily have to forget, but you do have to forgive and get over it. And here's one of the ways, Christine, that I do that. Like I've used this example that if I was to say, think of a banana. Well, everybody, you know, in the King James, that verse that you quoted in verse four, it says, casting down imaginations and every high thought. An imagination is your ability to see something with your heart that you can't see with your eyes. So if I was to say right now, picture a banana, did you know every person watching this could picture a banana and that you've got a picture of that in your imagination. That's your imagination. Now, how do you, if I say, all right, quit thinking of a banana. Don't think of a banana. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke banana thinking. <laughs> and if I just kept talking like that, did you know it would just solidify the picture of a banana. The way you replace thoughts and imaginations is to replace them with another image. Like now, if I started saying, think of an apple, and I started describing not a green apple or, you know, but I started describing a certain apple and the size and I talk about it and start describing and, and if I just kept talking about an apple, an apple, did you know that that vision, that imagination, the thought of a banana would fade and go away because you're focused on something else. So Christine, what the point I'm trying to make is one of the ways you take your thoughts captive is to replace those thoughts with godly thoughts, which to me 
THE NUMBER ONE WAY OF DOING THAT IS THE WORD OF GOD. IF YOU ARE, IF SOMEBODY HAS COME OUT AGAINST YOU AND DONE SOMETHING TO YOU, ONE OF THE THINGS I DO IS GO TO THE WORD AND I SEE PEOPLE LIKE MOSES THAT HAD PEOPLE COME AGAINST HIM IN THE 16TH CHAPTER OF THE BOOK OF NUMBERS. AND I GO TO DAVID THAT HAD PEOPLE COME OUT AGAINST HIM AND, AND ON AND ON YOU COULD GO. AND I SEE THE WAY THAT THEY DEALT WITH THINGS AND I FOCUS ON THIS AND I JUST TAKE MY FOCUS AWAY FROM THE NEGATIVES THAT ARE BOTHERING ME AND I GO TO GOD'S WORD AND FIND A POSITIVE REPLACEMENT FOR IT AND I THINK ON THAT. AND I REALLY BELIEVE THAT YOUR MIND IS SIMILAR TO A MUSCLE THAT WHEN, YOU KNOW, IF YOU'VE NOT TAKEN RESPONSIBILITY FOR YOUR THOUGHTS AND IF YOU'RE ONE OF THOSE THAT JUST SITS THERE AND LETS THE SEWAGE OF THE WORLD FLOW THROUGH YOUR MIND AND CONTROL YOUR THOUGHT, IF YOU'RE ONE THAT JUST STAYS ON YOUR PHONE ALL DAY LONG AND READS ALL OF THE TRASH AND THE WEIRDNESS THAT'S GOING ON, AND YOU DON'T CONTROL YOUR THOUGHTS, WELL, THEN WHEN YOU FIRST START, IT'S KIND OF LIKE A MUSCLE. YOU AREN'T GOING TO BE VERY EFFECTIVE AT THIS. BUT IF YOU WOULD JUST START TAKING THOSE SCRIPTURES, 2 CORINTHIANS CHAPTER 10, VERSES 3 THROUGH 5, AND SAY, I HAVE THIS POWER TO TAKE MY THOUGHTS CAPTIVE AND BRING EVERY THOUGHT INTO OBEDIENCE OF CHRIST. SO YOU START RESISTING THOSE THOUGHTS, REPLACING THEM WITH GODLY, BIBLICAL THOUGHTS, AND YOU DO THAT OVER A PROLONGED PERIOD OF TIME, AND IT'S LIKE BUILDING A MUSCLE. AFTER A WHILE, YOU'LL GET STRONG IN IT. AND AGAIN, I DON'T CLAIM THAT I DO IT PERFECTLY, BUT THIS IS ONE OF THE THINGS THAT I'VE EXERCISED MYSELF FOR, MAN, 50 YEARS OR SO, JUST TRYING TO FOCUS EXCLUSIVELY ON GOD. AND BECAUSE OF IT, I CAN, I can FORGET PEOPLE WHO'VE ACCUSED ME OF FALSE THINGS. I CAN CAST THINGS OVER ON THE LORD, AND THEY JUST DO NOT CEASE TO, THEY JUST CEASE TO BOTHER ME BECAUSE I'VE EXERCISED MYSELF. IN THIS AREA. SO ANYWAY, THAT'S A GREAT QUESTION, CHRISTINE. I HOPE THAT HELPS YOU, BUT THIS IS IMPORTANT. WE'VE GOT TO KEEP OUR MINDS STAYED UPON THE LORD IF WE WANT TO STAY IN PEACE. SO THANK YOU FOR YOUR CALL. LET'S GO TO CARLY, AND CARLY IS A TRUTH AND LIBERTY AS WELL AS AN AWM PARTNER. AND LET ME JUST SAY BRIEFLY THAT IF YOU WANT TO PARTNER WITH TRUTH AND LIBERTY, WE DO HAVE FIVE BROADCASTS, AN HOUR AND A HALF BROADCAST EACH DAY, EACH WEEKDAY, AND WE'VE GOT, I DON'T EVEN KNOW HOW MANY EMPLOYEES, BUT WE'VE GOT A LOT OF EMPLOYEES. THERE ARE EXPENSES, AND IF YOU WOULD LIKE TO BECOME A PARTNER WITH uh, TRUTH AND LIBERTY, YOU CAN GO TO TRUTHANDLIBERTY.NET AND CLICK ON DONATE, AND WE ASK FOR A $5 OR MORE PER MONTH AUTOMATIC WITHDRAWAL, AND THAT'S THE WAY YOU BECOME A PARTNER. SO CARLY IS A PARTNER WITH US. SHE'S CALLING FROM uh, FLORIDA. WELCOME. Um, HI, ANDREW. HELLO. Nice talk. NICE TO TALK TO YOU AGAIN. YES, MA'AM. AND I'VE BEEN TRYING TO LEARN THE GIFT OF SPEAKING IN TONGUES. IS IT SOMETHING THAT MUST BE LEARNED OR SOMETHING THAT WILL EVENTUALLY COME THE CLOSER I GET TO GOD? AND ALSO, YOU HAD A CONFERENCE A YEAR OR SO AGO, AND AT THE END YOU CALLED PEOPLE FORWARD. AND, YOU KNOW, PEOPLE WHO WANTED TO LEARN THE GIFT OF SPEAKING IN TONGUES. DO YOU KNOW WHAT CONFERENCE THIS WAS? WELL, YOU'RE FROM FLORIDA. I'M SURE THAT WAS, that was OUR ORLANDO uh, CONFERENCE. AND I GIVE AN INVITATION EVERY SINGLE SERVICE FOR PEOPLE TO RECEIVE SALVATION AND BAPTISM OF THE HOLY SPIRIT. BUT CARLY, IT'S NOT SOMETHING THAT YOU LEARN. IT'S NOT LIKE SOMETHING THAT YOU LEARN LIKE HOW TO SPEAK OR HOW TO WRITE. IT'S A GIFT. AND IN ACTS CHAPTER 8, THERE WAS A MAN, uh, SIMON, WHO SAW THAT THROUGH PETER LAYING HIS HANDS UPON PEOPLE, THE HOLY GHOST WAS GIVEN. 
SO RECEIVING THE HOLY SPIRIT AND SPEAKING IN TONGUES IS A GIFT TO BE RECEIVED. IT'S NOT SOMETHING THAT WE LEARN OR EARN. BUT DOES THAT MEAN THAT YOU JUST WAIT AND THEN ALL OF A SUDDEN, BOOM, IT HAPPENS? IT'S NOT THAT GOD, YOU HAVE TO LEARN AND YOU HAVE TO DEVELOP IN IT, BUT THE PROBLEM IS WE'VE GOT SO MUCH STINKING THINKING, SO MUCH WRONG DOCTRINE ON THE INSIDE OF US THAT IT HINDERS. IT'S LIKE HAVING A PIPE AND IF THAT PIPE IS TOTALLY CLOGGED, THEN EVEN THOUGH YOU'VE GOT WATER THAT COULD FLOW THROUGH IT, IT WON'T FLOW BECAUSE THE PIPE IS CLOGGED UP. AND OUR HEART AND OUR MIND IS CLOGGED WITH SO MUCH WRONG THINKING. LIKE, LET ME JUST GIVE YOU MY PERSONAL TESTIMONY THAT I WAS RAISED A BAPTIST AND I WAS TAUGHT THAT SPEAKING IN TONGUES WAS OF THE DEVIL. AND SO EVEN AFTER I CAME TO REALIZE THAT IT WASN'T OF THE DEVIL AND I SAW THAT IT WAS IN SCRIPTURE AND I SAW OTHER PEOPLE AND I WANTED IT AND I WAS PRAYING TO SPEAK IN TONGUES, I COULDN'T SPEAK IN TONGUES, NOT BECAUSE GOD WASN'T GIVING, BUT BECAUSE MY PIPE WAS CLOGGED WITH ALL THIS WRONG DOCTRINE. AND THERE'S MULTIPLE THINGS. MATTER OF FACT, I'VE GOT A BOOK ENTITLED THE NEW YOU, THAT'S THE FIRST PART OF IT, SLASH HOLY SPIRIT. THE NEW YOU IS ABOUT WHAT TRUE SALVATION IS. HOLY SPIRIT IS ABOUT THE BAPTISM OF THE HOLY SPIRIT AND SPEAKING IN TONGUES. AND I'VE GIVEN THIS BOOK TO HUNDREDS OF THOUSANDS OF PEOPLE AND SEEN THEM SPEAK IN TONGUES. BUT uh, I WAS UNDER THE IMPRESSION THAT WHEN YOU SPOKE IN TONGUES, IT WAS JUST GOING TO BE SOMETHING THAT COMES UPON YOU, OVERWHELMS YOU, AND THIS IS A CRUDE EXAMPLE, BUT I'M SURE EVERYBODY WILL UNDERSTAND WHAT I'M TALKING ABOUT. IT'S KIND OF LIKE WHEN YOU THROW UP. YOU JUST CAN'T HELP IT. IT'S JUST GOING TO BLUR OUT. SPEAKING IN TONGUES ISN'T LIKE THAT. IN ACTS CHAPTER 2, VERSE 4, IT SAYS, THEY SPOKE WITH TONGUES AS THE SPIRIT GAVE THEM THE UTTERANCE. THE HOLY SPIRIT DOESN'T SPEAK IN TONGUES. HE INSPIRES YOU TO DO IT. YOU HAVE TO SPEAK IN TONGUES. BUT I WAS THINKING THAT IT WAS GOING TO BE JUST PURE HOLY SPIRIT COMING THROUGH ME. HERE'S ANOTHER EXAMPLE. IT'S LIKE WHEN I TEACH OR PREACH. IF I WAS TO STAND UP THERE AND SAY, OH, GOD, DON'T LET IT BE ME. YOU SPEAK THROUGH ME. TAKE MY TONGUE AND JUST SPEAK THROUGH ME AND LET IT BE PURE HOLY SPIRIT. AND THEN IF I OPENED UP MY MOUTH AND WAITED ON GOD TO MAKE ME TALK, NOT A SINGLE WORD WOULD BE SAID. GOD DOES NOT FORCE ME TO SPEAK WHEN I'M TEACHING AND MINISTERING. IT'S ME SPEAKING. THAT'S THE REASON IT COMES OUT IN TEXAN. BUT I BELIEVE IT'S THE HOLY SPIRIT THAT'S INSPIRING IT. THAT'S THE WAY SPEAKING IN TONGUES IS. IT'S YOU SPEAKING, CARLY, BUT IT'S THE HOLY SPIRIT THAT INSPIRES IT. AND SEE, AS LONG AS I THOUGHT THAT I WAS JUST WAITING ON GOD TO TAKE MY TONGUE AND MAKE ME TALK WITHOUT ME COOPERATING, IT WAS GOING TO BE PURE HOLY SPIRIT, NOTHING HAPPENED. AND SO EVENTUALLY, I HAD TO JUST SAY, ALL RIGHT, FATHER, TO THE BEST OF MY ABILITY, I'M GOING TO START SPEAKING AND TRUST THAT IT'S YOU THAT'S GIVING ME THIS UTTERANCE. AND WHEN YOU FIRST START SPEAKING IN TONGUES, WE'VE BEEN TAUGHT TO BE SO CONSCIOUS OF WHAT WE SAY. WE DON'T WANT TO SAY FOOLISH THINGS THAT THE MAJORITY OF PEOPLE ARE GOING TO BE SO SELF-CONSCIOUS THAT IT'S NOT GOING TO FLOW FREELY. IT'LL BE LIKE A LITTLE BABY WHEN THEY FIRST TALK AND THEY SAY, DA-DA. AND OTHER PEOPLE WILL SAY, THAT WASN'T DADDY, BUT THAT DADDY KNOWS WHAT THAT CHILD'S TRYING TO SAY. AND IT MAY NOT COME OUT THE WAY IT SHOULD, BUT it, ONCE YOU GET STARTED AND ONCE YOU GET YOUR ATTENTION OFF OF YOURSELF, AND BY FAITH, YOU JUST START SAYING, FATHER, TO THE BEST OF MY ABILITY, I'M DOING THIS AND I'M PRAYING THAT YOU'RE INSPIRING IT. IT WILL GET TO WHERE IT'S FLUENT AND GOD WILL FLOW THROUGH YOU AND CONFIRM IT IN A WAY THAT YOU KNOW THAT IT'S NOT JUST YOU, IT'S GOD. 
SO IT'S NOT GOD THAT'S NOT GIVING. HE GIVES TO ANY PERSON WHO ASKS, BUT WE'VE GOT THESE THINGS THAT CLOG UP OUR PIPE AND YOU GOT TO GET YOUR MIND RENEWED. SO CARLY, I WOULD ENCOURAGE YOU TO GO TO OUR uh, HELPLINE, 719-635-1111. 719-635-1111. THEY JUST PUT THAT UP ON THE SCREEN. AND YOU COULD CALL THEM AND THEY'LL SEND YOU THAT BOOK AND THEY'LL PRAY WITH YOU. AND WE'VE SEEN TENS OF THOUSANDS OF PEOPLE SPEAK IN TONGUES, RECEIVE THE HOLY SPIRIT AND SPEAK IN TONGUES OVER OUR HELPLINE. SO I HOPE THAT HELPS. PRAISE GOD. ALL RIGHT, LET'S GO TO NINA IN MICHIGAN. AND uh, YOU ARE ON TRUTH AND LIBERTY LIVE CALL-IN SHOW WITH ANDREW. HI, ANDREW. I'M SO HAPPY I CAN ASK QUESTION YOU. Um, MY HUSBAND IS DISABLED AND HE ASKING HOW HE CAN PRAY IF SICKNESS AFFECT HIS SPEECH AND HIS ARM CANNOT HOLD BIBLE. WE HAVE A LOT OF MATERIAL. WE WATCH TV. Um, WE HAVE CD, USB, uh, BOOKS. BUT HE ASKING HOW HE CAN PRAY IF HIS SPEECH, HE CANNOT SPEAK CLEARLY, HIS ARM CANNOT HOLD BIBLE. WELL, THERE'S A NUMBER OF THINGS I COULD SAY. REAL QUICKLY, LET ME JUST SAY THAT IN PSALMS CHAPTER 5, THE SCRIPTURE SAYS, uh, GIVE EAR TO MY WORDS, O LORD. CONSIDER MY MEDITATION. HEARKEN UNTO THE VOICE OF MY CRY, MY KING AND MY GOD, FOR UNTO THEE WILL I PRAY. AND SO RIGHT THERE IT SAYS, GIVE EAR TO MY WORDS AND CONSIDER MY MEDITATION. MEDITATION ISN'T WORDS, IT'S JUST KEEPING YOUR MIND STAYED UPON GOD. AND SO MEDITATION IS PRAYER. YOU PUT THAT TOGETHER WITH PSALMS 139, AND IT SAYS, THERE ISN'T A THOUGHT IN MY HEAD BUT WHAT YOU KNOW IT, O LORD. SO YOU CAN TELL YOUR HUSBAND THAT HE CAN PRAY TO GOD WITHOUT ANY HINDRANCE WHATSOEVER JUST THROUGH HIS MIND, THROUGH JUST MEDITATING. NOW, I BELIEVE THAT IT'S IMPORTANT TO SPEAK WORDS, ESPECIALLY WHEN YOU'RE REBUKING THE DEVIL OR TALKING TO YOUR BODY. SO I'M NOT SAYING THAT HE SHOULD JUST BE CONTENT WITH NEVER BEING ABLE TO SPEAK, BUT HE COULD PRAY, HE COULD BUILD HIS FAITH, AND HE COULD APPROPRIATE HIS HEALING AND GET TO WHERE HE SPEAKS. HE NEEDS TO SPEAK, BUT HE CAN PRAY TO GOD WITHOUT SPEAKING. AS FAR AS NOT HOLDING THE BIBLE, MAN, WITH OUR TECHNOLOGY THAT WE HAVE TODAY, YOU CAN GO TO MY WEBSITE. YOU CAN, uh, WE'VE GOT 200,000 HOURS OF FREE MATERIAL ON MY WEBSITE, AND HE COULD WATCH AND LISTEN TO THAT NONSTOP, DAY AND NIGHT. AND THE SCRIPTURE SAYS IN PSALMS 107:20 THAT GOD SENT HIS WORD AND HEALED THEM AND DELIVERED THEM FROM THEIR DESTRUCTIONS. AND SO YOU COULD LISTEN TO GOD'S WORD. YOU CAN GET A, a THING LIKE AN EAR PLUG LIKE WHAT I HAVE HERE, AND YOU CAN PLUG THE WORD AND LISTEN TO IT THAT WAY. AND SO YOUR HUSBAND CAN GET THE WORD INTO HIM, EVEN IF HE CAN'T HOLD THE BIBLE, EVEN IF HE CAN'T TALK, uh, HE CAN DO THAT, AND I WOULD REALLY ENCOURAGE IT. SO HOPE THAT HELPS, NINA. YOU AREN'T LIMITED TO WORDS ONLY. GOD KNOWS OUR HEART. AND GOD IS DEALING WITH US BASED ON OUR HEART. AND SO PRAISE GOD, YOU CAN PRAY IN YOUR HEART WITHOUT HAVING TO PRAY WITH WORDS. I HOPE THAT HELPED YOU. LET'S uh, GO TO OUR NEXT CALLER, BUT BEFORE I DO THAT, LET ME JUST SAY THAT WE'VE STILL GOT A FEW MINUTES LEFT, AND WE'VE GOT SOME OPEN LINES HERE AT 719-619-2341. SO WE'VE GOT JUST ABOUT SEVEN MINUTES LEFT. HOPEFULLY WE CAN GET ONE OR TWO MORE CALLERS IN. LET'S GO TO CAROL IN MICHIGAN. YOU'RE ON TRUTH AND LIBERTY LIVE. CALL IN WITH ANDREW. Thank you, Andrew, for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Um, I enjoy your program. My question is, um, 
I heard a minister, he was praying, and at the end of the prayer, he said, and I hang this prayer on the cross. And there's no place in the Bible where I find we can hang anything on the cross that Christ already did it. Well, I certainly don't know the context. I hadn't heard him say this. Uh, I don't know exactly what he means. But, you know, to me, that sounds great. In other words, the way I would interpret that is that instead of praying and expecting results based on my goodness, on my self-righteousness, Father, I am believing that you are going to respond and that you are giving me healing, prosperity, whatever it is you're praying for because of what Jesus did on the cross. So that, to me, just sounds like a way of, you know, the scriptural terminology is in the name of Jesus. Most people, when they pray and say, in the name of Jesus, that's just like saying the end. But what you're actually saying when you say, in the name of Jesus, you're saying, Father, because of what Jesus did on the cross, not because of my goodness, but because of Jesus. My only claim to having a right to this is through Jesus. That's what it means in the name of Jesus. And to me, hanging this prayer on the cross would just be a kind of a poetical way of him saying that same thing. That's the way I'd interpret it. Now, again, I don't know if that's what he meant, but that's what it sounds like to me. That makes sense, Carol? Yes, it does. Thank you very much. All right. You're welcome. Praise God. Well, we still got five minutes and we got open lines. If you would like to call, you could get in right now at 719-619-2341. While I'm waiting on somebody to call, let me just say that, man, God is blessing us so much here. And I want to thank you for being a part of it. I was, I've had two calls with people today who God is opening up doors, people calling me from all over the world, and we are making an impact. And this truth in liberty is beginning to really gain some traction. People are listening to it. They're letting other people know about it. You can go to our website, truthandliberty.net, and you can watch archived copies of this. It was just last week that Richard Harris and I hosted uh, Dr. Ben Carson. We've had um, Governor Huckabee on here. We've had uh, David and Tim Barton. We've had, uh, I mean, you just name it, and we've probably had them on this program. We've had supernatural things happen, and I want to thank those of you who are making this happen. You know, I mentioned it earlier real briefly, but the way that we pay for this, I cannot subsidize the truth and liberty ministry just through Andrew Womack Ministries. We are in a build, billion dollar building program to build out our Karis Bible College, and I just can't uh, do this. And yet I really believe that this is something God has given us to do, and it's our partners who enable this to work. So I would like to encourage you to pray about becoming a partner with us. And you know, we're just asking for a $5 or more uh, automatic withdrawal per month as a way of you becoming a partner. And when you do that, you get regular emails. We don't overwhelm you with it, but every Friday we put out the good news that's happening. And usually we highlight at least three things that are really positive to counter all of the negative news that's going out. So we, instead of just cursing the darkness, so much of the conservative thing is all criticizing what's going on and showing you what all of the woke people are doing. And we do our share of that. But we also specifically try and highlight the positive things that are going on. 
And so uh, we would really encourage you to join with us. And we've got a website that I believe is second to none. It takes a lot of people to maintain that. And so if you'd go to awmi.net, then you could uh, see what we've got. You could join with us and become a partner and we would really appreciate it. All right, so our last caller here, let's go to Mary in Texas. And Mary, you are on Truth and Liberty Live call-in show with Andrew. Right, hi. Hello. Um, Hello, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay, um, you were just talking about Second Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. Yes, ma'am. And um, uh, in verse 5, it says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I have noted in there John 6:38, um, which references the obedience of Christ. He said, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And if we, I want to know if I'm interpreting it correctly. Um, it sounds to me like, um, sounds to me like we bring our thoughts onto Jesus's obedience while he was on earth. How he obeyed the Father is how we're supposed to obey him. Mary, I'm just about out of time, so I'm sorry. But let me real quickly say that just like I was telling, I think it was Carly that call, called about that. I believe that we can bring God's thoughts into our thoughts. We can get our thoughts to where we replace just our own thinking. You know, the scripture says, don't lean unto your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him. As we submit ourselves to Christ, as we love him more than we love ourselves, as we meditate in the word day and night and then act on what he's telling us to do, I believe you can get to a place to where your thoughts are replaced with God's thoughts. It's your born again spirit that is giving you these thoughts. And uh, you can live in a place to where every thought is under obedience to Christ. Sorry for running out of time, Mary, but I hope that helped you. And let me just say again to those of you who watch that we do this every single day at 3.30 to 5 o'clock Mountain Time. And I would encourage you to join us. We have some great guests on and it's just a great time to be able to interact with you. So thank you for doing this. Remember, we do it every weekday. Join us again tomorrow as we continue our Truth and Liberty live call-in show. God bless you. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.